Hello everyone, I am your host Tania Fuentes and I am most excited about this episode, the very first one of this year. So I would like to start by thanking all of you for listening. As you all know, we have a very special day coming up, so today we invited Carlos Yasa, a researcher from the Center for Robert Burns Studies at the University of Glasgow. Carlos is a poet and translator from Peru, currently completing his PhD on translating Robert Burns into Spanish. Interesting, huh? Let's jump in. Welcome, Carlos. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to have you here on WeChats, especially since we'll be talking about one of the most important characters within Scottish culture, our beloved Robert Burns. So, can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself, your research and your connection with Burns? Thanks very much, Tania. Thank you for the invitation. Um, yes, my name is uh, Carlos Yasa. I am uh, uh, I am a Peruvian writer, poet and, and researcher now. Um, and yeah, as you well mentioned, uh, now we are, uh, well, in January we celebrate uh, Robert Burns' Robert Burns's month and Robert Burns' um, night. So my well, my connection with Burns began uh, began a few years ago. I came to to Scotland to do a, a master's in creative writing at the University of Edinburgh, um, and by that time I was where well, I was already with the the, the the person who today is my wife, um, who is Scottish from from the west of Scotland. So. And so while I was while I was living in Edinburgh and studying there, I I came across a little book called Burns for Bairns, which Bairns, as you well know in, in, in Scots, means children. So it was um, it was a small kind of simple book of of Burns and 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 some fragments of his most famous poems, and I ended up loving him, uh, fell in love with his, the, the music of his words. Um, and the uh, and the feelings that he was able to to um, evoke in me. So uh, I thought of I, I thought that it would be a great idea, you know. Because well, my, my first thought was, how is this guy not uh, known in the Spanish speaking world? Um, why aren't there trans- translations out there that are um, meaningful or relevant or well known? Um, since this, you know, since he's so important, not only in in Scottish culture, but um, all over the world, you know, he's, he's he's such a famous poet in Russia, in the U.S., in Germany, in France, and you know, in many places. And and in the Spanish-speaking world, he just seemed unknown. Um, and that's when the curiosity started in me, and I I wanted to translate him into Spanish, um, but it seemed impossible, uh, at least at the beginning. So after after a few years of you know, just life and and um, and writing and working and learning new things, etc. And obviously, as I'm still a, a close relationship to to his poems because I kept on reading him. Um, I I decided that it had come a time that I could finally do this um, translation, which is perhaps the main part of my research. Um, by that by that time, I was already back in Scotland, but now living in the west of Scotland, in the west of Scotland near Glasgow with my wife. Um, so I decided to try this in a more serious or formal or, um, yeah, in a, in a more, more serious um, manner. 
and that's when I started uh, my, my PhD at the University of Glasgow uh, under the supervision of professors Jericho Ruders and Nigel Leask, who are two of the main um, scholars in Burns and in British Romanticism. It, so, so I've been working with them since last year. Now I'm just starting, I'm just starting the second year of, of my PhD. Um, and yeah, and so my, my, it, it consists, it has two main parts. One of them is the creative um, output, which uh, obviously consists of rendering the first, the, or, or, or achieving the first complete translation of Robert Burns um, into Spanish of all his official canon, right? Um, well, well, like many writers, he there were some works that he published in life, and so some works that were published posthumously. So, I'm um, focusing on on the works he published um, in life, um, and I'm also and the other part is a, a more a, a cri more uh, uh, critical part, and it's related to or, or well, what it, it tries to relate. Um, not only Burns to Spanish-speaking culture, uh, obviously involving Spain and Hispanic America, but also it tries to connect or to find connections between um, Spanish and Hispanic American Romanticism and uh, British Romanticism, more specifically, more specifically Scottish Romanticism. So that is basically what I've been doing for the last well, for the last year, year and a half, um, and that is what I will continue doing for the next couple of years. Um, and yeah, that's that's well. Sorry, I've been talking a lot. That's how much. That's pretty much how it how it started. Um, and that is my, my right my current connection with Burns. Yes. Well, that's very interesting. I. I... I have to admit that you talked about several points that I want to, to get uh, more deep into. Um, because I, when I first learned about your research, I was so intrigued, you know, because as, as a Mexican, I can say that we don't learn about Burns in school at all. So I was intrigued if you uh, learned something about Burns in Peru while studying there, or it was like non-existing as well. Yeah, for me, it was uh, non-existent as well. I, I, I found out about Burns when I, when I came here, and, and then I realized that uh, we all, well, obviously, as, as you know, you in Mexico sing um, or have this New Year song, which is with uh, to the tune of Old Lang Syne, and, and, and we have a similar tune, but it's more, more related to Afro-Peruvian music or African-Peruvian music. So, but it's with that same tune. So those are things that I just realized when I, when I got to, to Scotland, I had, I had no idea. And that's what impressed me as well. How haven't we heard, you know, from this guy? But I mean, strangely enough, it's, it's something that was also happening in in a British culture. For instance, Burns was, a, or there were as many papers written on Burns as in any of the other great six great romantics, um, romantic poets, by the beginning of the 20th century. But as the, as the century well went went along. The, the um, research on Burns decreased significantly, um, while his popularity st still was still um, growing. So it, it was um, it was strange how Professor Moray Petov, one of the professors at Glasgow University, you know, calls him, or or you know, says that he he, he was at some point kind of like the invisible 
a man of, of British letters. Um, but well, obviously now there is a there is a new wave of of research, and there is this big project that Glasgow University has, well, at the Centre for Robert Burns Studies has, uh, which is editing Robert Burns Robert Burns for the twentieth twenty first century, and um, and yeah, the, well, they're obviously the, uh, the scholars there are doing an amazing work in, and they've already published uh, the letters. They've published, well, sorry, no, the letters had already been published. I think they're doing a new, uh, new tones on the letters, but they've um, they've published the commonplace books, which were kind of like Burns's journals and where he wrote also a lot of his a lot of his poetry. And they're going to continue editing the the the, the well the poems and as, as I said the letters and etc. So it's going to be um, well it, they are doing a remarkable remarkable work and the output is going to be uh, very significant in in terms of Burns scholarship. Yeah. No, and I think the the work you are doing is also super important and very it has a lot of potential. You know because maybe that's the reason why it's not. Uh, well known in in our countries because it, there's not it's not available in in Spanish right so well done and hopefully we'll hear more from Burns in the years to come yeah because it, it happened to me as well when I didn't know about Burns until I started studying in in Glasgow and I felt really uh, embarrassed when some of my Scottish uh, friends started talking to me about Burns and they felt like so much pride in their national poet and I was like I don't know who this man is and I felt like so uncultured and like, like oh no this is embarrassing so I started doing some research and like oh this is wonderful how didn't I know about him before you know that that kind of feeling so I can imagine you felt kind of like the same yeah, and now there's a museum, right, of the birthplace of Burns, and there's a lot going on around him, so that's that's brilliant. There's a lot. Um, also, well, there was a Professor Murray Petrick as well uh, from the center did. Um, he's been doing some research as well on on the on the on the on yeah on, on the the how could you say on the economic activity generated by by Burns as, as, a, as a, well, excuse the word, as a brand. Um, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite significant, obviously, the, the revenue created by, by Burns in terms of tourism. Um, uh, Burns says, yeah, it's, it's an important part of, of Scottish economy, of course, in, in, many, in many ways, yeah. And part of that are, are the museums, et cetera, yeah. Yeah, so I, I've been to the museum and it's, it's, I think it's quite new, but it's a very, very nice, very nice exhibit with all the, the manuscripts and everything. It's like, wow. Yeah, so it's, it's great that you're doing so much uh, to preserve his heritage, right? Because it's very important. And uh, one of the things you mentioned before that got me thinking, uh, you mentioned about other authors from uh, Romanticism, which is actually one of my favorite periods while well, it was while I was studying. Um, how do you think Burns stands out from all these other authors, like European authors, like, uh, I don't know, Gustavo Adolfo Becker in Spain, or um, how do you, would you say he stands out or compares to these other, maybe more famous authors within our Latin American context, of course? Um, well, it's yeah. To let's say to to talk about the, the relationship of or the relation of Burns to to uh, other romanticisms. Um, 
or or yeah, or what happened with other authors and and our romanticisms. Um, for some reason, and obviously perhaps the fact that Burns wrote in Scots a lot uh, has has to do with this. Um, but uh, while many while other Romantic authors were translated into into Spanish earlier in, in the or like for example in the nineteenth century. Um, Burns was not translated into Spanish at all. Like the first poem we have, not even in Spanish, it's in Catalan. The first poem we have of Burns in Catalan mm. was, was published in 1919 uh, in a magazine. And it's just one, one poem, a version of um, Avon Kiss, if I'm not mistaken. And it's called Aumpeto. I think it's, it's in Catalan. I'm, I'm not really sure. Um, so that was the first translation, the, the first poem translated of Burns into, in, into, into Catalan. And then the first actual collection or volume of, of Burns in Spanish is, is, is published in 1940. So, so we're talking about already almost halfway into the 20th century and Burns dies in 1796 in, in, the, in the, you know, the, um, the late 18th century. So, so we're in the middle of the 20th century and we're getting the, the first actual collection of Burns. And it's just a, a tiny reduced, a tiny volume published by Junque in, in Barcelona, which is literally, it fits in the palm of my hand. <laughs> and it has only, <laughs> and obviously it only has a few poems. Uh, and it's also funny to see the, 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 the selection criteria because, because um, they do not. They the, the translator. The translator does not precisely choose the the most meaningful or relevant or well-known poems, but perhaps chooses the ones they that the ones that were easier to translate or the ones that yeah. uh, in some cases the ones that were in, in proper Augustan English and not in the Scots dialect, um, which was actually the subtitle of the of the first book it was you know poems uh, chiefly in the scottish dialect um so so yeah and then the, the next translation we have is in 19 is from 1954 if i'm not mistaken yeah and then we don't have any other translations until 1990 and that is one in Bable in the asturian dialect which is perhaps the best of all the translations that have been published so far that is perhaps the best one and then there's another one, 1998, that one's in Spanish, and then in Castellano, right, in Castilian, and then another one, and the most, the most well, and then another one in 2008, also in, in Castilian, that has a much better selection in terms of the, the poems that they, 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 they chose, because um, I think one of the translators, I think there are a couple, a Scottish guy and a Spanish woman, and I think that the, the man had obviously some some wealth of knowledge in, in Burns, and at least you could you could see that the selection is as or follows a more um, yeah more learned a, a better learned criteria. So 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 yeah, um, he's that 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 seems a, a better selection, but but still all, but still all of these translations are are mainly literal translations, not all of them. In uh, try a, 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 a poetic language within their translation. Some of them do, not all of them do. Um, and then, well, the most recent one is one tr from 2014 into Galician, um, which is also uh, just a, a, a really small, thin book. Um, 
so we've had all these uh, partial partial tran translations in the in in the twentieth century. So obviously Burns did not reach a romantic writers in 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 Spanish, like for example uh, Becker or Estronceda or. Um, or, or the earlier ones, you know, because well, because obviously Be Baker and Esposito, these are the the writers from the from the the late Romanticism, or or well, it depends. It depends also on the theory of Romanticism we follow. Some some authors speak about an early Romanticism with Melendez Valdez and and um, Cadalso and well, sorry, Jovellanos, you know, and all these poets. Uh, but then, and some other right of some other authors speak about a Spanish romanticism that uh, begins with Calderón de la Barca or from that time. So, yeah. and then other guys speak of a non-existent Spanish romanticism because, um, yeah, it was just perhaps some of the, the yeah, they speak about it as a more like an, a, an adopted attitude at some point, but there wasn't, that there wasn't a real Spanish romanticism. And some other authors identify Spanish romanticism and this is perhaps the most recent theory by Philip Silver. This guy identifies Spanish Romanticism with the poets of the, the beginning of the 20th century in Spain, and uh, in a similar way that Octavio Paz did the same with uh, Hispanic American Romanticism, and, and he identified our Romanticism with uh, Modernismo, actually, which all, is already in the 20th century. So it, it is our romanticisms, well, all romanticisms are controversial, but our romanticisms are particularly controversial as well because, uh, for example, our countries, Mexico, Peru, were in the process of, of independence right at the beginning of the 19th century. So um, so the, the, the formation of national liter literatures, which is a main feature of romanticism, was still, was just beginning. So that creates a really, really strong problem when we try to define our, our romanticisms. Um, but anyway, so, so, so the, the authors, um, some of the Spanish authors were obviously very, very um, influenced by English romanticism, mainly because most of these Spanish authors were exiled in London uh, during uh, Fernando VII um, reign, they were exiled, obviously. So they, they couldn't they could they couldn't go back to Spain because they were liberals. They were uh, considered uh, enemies of the crown, um, so they 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 couldn't be back. And they they were only able to go back in 1833, if I'm not mistaken, which is when uh, when Fernando de Aragon dies. Um, so now that when they are able to come, that's why a lot of authors mention about mention this this return of the exiles as the beginning of Spanish Romanticism, which for a lot of people makes sense, but it does not precisely make sense if we think well they came with Spanish Romanticism in their suitcases and and, and it just <laughs> began like that. So. So yeah, it, it, that only creates more problems in terms of our romanticism, anyway. But the first, in, or the, the the first influence we see from Burns in our literatures is uh, perhaps the one of the earliest um, writers that was apparently influenced by Burns is Rosalia de Castro from Galicia, also uh, uh, one of the the, the main Spanish. Um, 
or one of the main uh, romantic writers in the Iberian Peninsula. Uh, and then, uh, right in the, in the, at the beginning of the 20th century, we have strong, well, stronger signs of Burns' uh, impact in, in, Sp in Spain. But this is before the translations, right? So these were authors who read him in, in the original language. And we're talking about mainly Miguel de Unamuno, who mentions Burns in, in a few essays. And really, does he? What? Yes, yes. And there are a few poems of Miguel de Unamuno as well, which, which are influenced by, by Burns. Uh, for example, La, La Flor Tronchada. You can hear some echoes of uh, To a Mountain Daisy by Robert Burns. And then another one is uh, Unamuno's friend and disciple, Antonio Machado who also um, seems to have certain influence, uh, slight, of course, uh, from Burns, but, but we can see in, in, in his manuscript, in his, in his books, he, he, in his, I'm sorry, in his, um, yeah, in his uh, handwriting, his manuscripts, he, he, he has a, a, a couple of, uh, or a poem which he um, bases on uh, My Heart is in the Highlands by Robert Burns as well. Um, and curiously enough, uh, this is something that obviously will, will needs further investigation and further research. Uh, but in uh, Las Moscas, this very the, the one, that's a poem that was made very very famous by and by um, John Manuel Serrat's song. It also seems to have certain syntactic elements of uh, to a mouse or the animal poems of, of Burns as well, as well as, uh, you know, and also there is a similarity in the, in the sympathy or the, or the empathy uh, towards, the, towards the, the small animal, um, which, is, which is also very... That is so interesting. interesting. I never thought of that. I'll have to listen to the song again and see if I can find the connection. Yeah. <laughs> That's it's, great. It, as, as, as I said, it's something that needs to be looked into further, but there are certain as I said, certain attitudes and certain syntactic elements that could be... Yeah, you can see uh, the influence. Yes, yeah. And in Hispanic America, obviously, the, the, the trace of Burns is more diluted, and, and it's more diluted, sorry, and we... But we can find something in a, a Nicaraguan writer called uh, Carlos Martinez Rivas, um, and well, this is also a really strange connection that needs also needs uh, further uh, research. But Carlos Martinez Rivas is a, a well, was a Nicaraguan poet considered kind of like a, a poeta maldito, you know, this kind of uh, uh, bardic figures um, who spent some time in Madrid. Is quite legendary. He's you know published very little. Um, but what he published was uh, meaningful, and he's he's kind of like a cult figure, and he um, and he well he follows Burns as one of his um, as one of, as yeah as one of his examples or, or one of his, his main influences. Even mentions him in a couple of, of or in a in a poem specifically he mentions him, uh, but mentions him as as Bob Burns. So so obviously it seems that the connection is uh, the American version or the US version of, of Robert Burns, which is also, as, as I said, is also a big figure in, 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 in the US. Even, well, Walt Whitman uh, thought, of, thought very highly of Burns and there is a famous essay 
that Walt Whitman wrote on Robert Burns as well. So it, it seems that Carlos Martinez Rivas, who is a guy from the obviously 20th century, is a contemporary poet. He, he died in the, well, I'm not sure, he must have died in the well, it's up in the in the new millennium, so he's he's not um, he's not that that um, that far away from that us. far away, yeah. Um, so yeah, and and this uh, this is one of the persons that, and he also translated a, a couple a short passages from the Jolly Beggars, um, but just I mean he includes them in in one of his poems. So these are things that, as I said, need a lot of further investigation, further research, but um, but they are the things that we already have that we can already start looking into in order to come to more meaningful conclusions, yeah. This is so interesting. Like, really, I, I never thought of all these connections and it's like, you gave me some, some homework, some reading to add to my list. Thank you. This is <laughs> very, very interesting. But it's amazing how you, you don't really think of these connections while reading an author, like all the influences that there's behind their work. And yeah, I find it fascinating. And, and then yeah. something we can think about is also like how Spain or how Hispanic America mm -hmm. influenced Burns in any way, if, if it did. And, and yeah, doing some research, we can find, we can, uh, yeah, we, we have found that, for example, uh, well, what was the, some of the, the, the most evident evident things he burns mentions um two places well he mentions pizarro and almagro in a poem uh, called address of belzebub uh, in which obviously belzebub satan talking and and he's promising the earl of Bredalbane, i think uh, a place in hell next to pizarro and almagro so so obviously he burns his plate burns places pizarro and almagro in hell in, in a special place in hell. And then Burns also in, a, in, in another poem in uh, the vision, Burns mentions the mines of, the gold mines of Potosí in Peru. Well, in Bolivia now, but back then the, 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 the world was Peru. So it, obviously these are, it, even though they're just passing, passing mentions in a way, they are for for the for my research objectives, they are they, they are meaningful because there's not a lot to find of Hispanic American and Burns, um, but yeah, it is obviously interesting to see. For example, Burns was a, a, a keen reader of newspapers. There that that's been documented by, for example, accounts by his um, tutor John Murdoch, who who. who who tells in his in his own diary and writings uh, how Burns was very keen on on reading newspapers and was well aware of what was going on in, not only in Britain but also uh, across the Atlantic and for example in the U.S. he was well very well acquainted with for example the the North American Revolution. Um, so he may have also been acquainted with the Hispanic American Revolution, for instance, the Tupac Amaru Revolution in, 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 in Peru. Um, and at the same time, he was, uh, he, at some point, he became acquaint, acquainted with uh, Helen Maria Williams, who is another romantic author who wrote a, a, a book called Peru, a, a, a book of a, a, a poem, a, an epic poem um, about the conquest of Peru. And at the same time, while when, when Burns is a, a teenager and 
obviously becoming the, the or the, yeah nurturing himself to the with the materials that would make him the poet he became um, there was also a very a very important book uh, in in Britain by that time which made which caused a rediscovery and 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 reevaluation of of the the Spanish American territories and this was Robert Williamson's um, History of America sorry William Robertson's not Robert Williamson's William Robertson's History of America as a Scottish historian and Burns was acquainted with this author's nephew so it's very likely that he was that he also had contact with it and at the same time Burns in at, at the time of his death he was also he also had a copy of uh, Les Incas by Marmont Montel a, a French author so Burns was kind of kind of acquainted with what was going on also in in our territories uh, but perhaps the most interesting connection of Burns in, with the Spanish world, and this is with Spain, is his uh, interest in Miguel de Cervantes and Don Quixote. He was very keen on Cervantes. He was very keen on Don Quixote. He even, you know, in his diaries or in his, uh, yeah, in his diary, in his diary, in, the, in his, the tour he made of the Highlands, he even sometimes mentions that his mare, his his horse, was uh, of the Rocinan of the Rocinante type. Um, so, so he was, he was, he, he liked very much uh, Tobias Smollett's translation of Don Quixote. Um, and there's even documentation that he ordered it for, for the, the Mongolian Book Society. Um, so, uh, so he had a, 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 I was going to ask you, so his yeah. copy of Don Quixote was translated into English, it wasn't the... Yeah, yeah. So, no, yeah. So, yeah, there, there's a, there was a, a Scottish novelist from the 18th century who... Um, who translated? Well, obviously, he, he one of the main, the main romantic novelists as well from uh, from the Sc Scottish romanticism, but also he translated um, Don Quixote uh, into English, and his translation was very well known uh, throughout the 19th century and obviously uh, in the late 18th uh, century as well. And as uh, and as I was saying earlier on, yeah, Burns ordered this uh, translation for the Monkland so uh, Book Society, uh, which he, he was in charge of uh, for, for a while. Um, but not only that, there is, um, there is an another apparent, apparently, or could be a more meaningful connection, and it would connect Burns' famous poem, The Trois Dogs, um, which is the poem that opens the, 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 the Kilmarnock edition. Um, so his first book, the, the, the first poem he presented to the world in terms of once somebody opened his book, it was this uh, dialogue between two dogs, uh, two dogs, yeah, the, 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 the dog of a, of a laird, of a lord, you know, a, 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 um, a part of the gentry, an aristocrat, and the dog of a, of a, um, a, a rustic man like himself, you know, a, 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 a laborer, um, yeah, a, a, fa a farm worker. Um, so this dialogue apparently, or could, uh, is, is said to uh, be based on or to be influenced by um, Miguel de Cervantes's, Miguel de Cervantes's uh, exemplary novel, um, El Coloquio de los Perros. Um, which is one of the short novels 
part of this um, amazing collection called the Novelas Ejemplares, uh, who, which were written, this, uh, these novels were written around the same time as, uh, uh, some of them, around the same time as the first part of Don Quixote. So, so um, even some authors have, have talked about, um, that, you know, have, have explained that Cervantes had the plan of using a talking dog in Don Quixote because there is a dog, there is a galgo mentioned right at the beginning of Don Quixote that never appears again in, in the novel. And that seemed quite strange for this critic. And he said that, um, that you know, may, um, Cervantes may have had a plan for a talking dog in Don Quixote, but the then put the, plan aside, put the plan aside and to make this other novel, which obviously became a, 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 a very meaningful work as well. So this this could be true. Uh, there is there is some the the, the um, El Coloquio de los Perros was translated into English uh, as early as 1709. So so 50 years before Burns's uh, birth. Um, so that that was the, the first rendering of that novel, and then. This was again published in 1764 or 1767, if I'm not mistaken. So the, this book was available um, during Burns' time. So it is likely that he may have come across it. The books or the, the poem and the novel are, they obviously they have a lot of differences uh, as, as it should be as well. Um, but also there are a few similarities, not only, uh, not only in the fact that it's two dogs talking to each other, um, but there are other, other similarities that we, could, um, that we could probably relate or make um, connections. Um, for instance, uh, well, Burns' dogs talk more about their... Um, let's say that the vertical axis of society, right? They're talking about the, the relationship of, of the gentry and, and, and the people, like, you know, the common, the common, common folk, as, 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 as he calls them there in the poem. So, so it, it's mainly, a, it's an eclogue, you know, a strange kind of eclogue. In most eclogues, it's usually uh, uh, shepherds talking to each other. In this eclogue, we have dogs talking to each other. Um, but it, it shows how the how poor folk, how poor people can be happy with very little, and 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 so it's um, an, an idealization in a in a way of the of this of this kind of of the cotter's life, um, and also it and it shows on the you know, as, as the opposite side. The, the neurosis of the gentry, for example, their, um, the, the, I don't know, for, it, it portrays some the lazy and, and uh, aimless life, for example, that, that you know, could, they could end up falling into. Um, but not with a lack of sympathy, right? Not with a lack of sympathy. Cervantes' novel, on the other hand, um, is, mo is more related to uh, appearances and to the yeah and, and to the yeah well yeah sorry it's more related to let's say appearances and the and the danger of of 
following appearances. For example, uh, in Cervantes' novel, we have a, a very famous passage in which uh, Berganza, one of the one of the, the dogs, is uh, taking care. Well, is is working as a, as a shepherd, taking care of as, as a sheep dog, taking care of of of, of a, a flock of sheep, and they, the, the sheep start dying. And then, or well, start being taken by the fox uh, between quotation marks because it, it ends up that the fox were the actual shepherd that were killing the the sheep at night, for instance. So, um, when 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 we see Cervantes' exploration, Cervantes' exploration is more about the, a horizontal axis of society and sees. All the, because uh, uh, Cervantes' dogs talk more about in their, um, it's mainly Berganza's story who tells about his different experiences with different masters, um, which come from different also uh, social class, but the, 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 the main discussion is not about social class, whilst in Burns it is. Uh, but as we said, there are some similarities in the tone, there are some similarities. In the in the irony, there are some similarities. Um, also, in the game of appearances, which is also present in in Burns's um, uh, poem, uh, but still, they are not uh, they are not words that one could say. Oh, they cle that clearly come derived from this work. No. It's just some, some, we can make some conjectures. We can, uh, we haven't found any, for example, evidence that Burns actually read or came across this book. But uh, as I said, it is very likely that he, that he did as it was very, very available during that time. And Cervantes was already a, a well-established figure, not only in Spain, but also in, in the British Isles, yeah. Do you know if Burns ever traveled to, well, continental europe at all or no 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 he never tried no he he actually well that's another interesting fact he he had planned to go to jamaica and work in the plantations as a slave master which is one of the 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 the, mm. the, the contradictory things about burns because uh yeah it's it's one of the mysteries about uh, burns and that's also trying by some critics, it tried to be hidden at some point, or not, or not discussed. But yeah, he at some point he he was ready to go, and what stopped him uh, was pretty much the success of his of his um, first book. Yeah, because then he he just liked the whole the whole uh, fame. Thing and you know went to Edinburgh and and, and, and and then was able to to publish the second the second book with more poems with you know an augmented selection so yeah it, it is it's weird right I, I don't know it seems like a bit of, out of character since he was like always talking about this like social um, classes and the injustice and, and that he would consider being a slave master that seems yeah. odd freedom and yeah yeah and even like for example burns was in favor of democracy in 1776 and the 70, you know, in the 1780s when it was not precisely the the, the 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 main current of thought or the main the main way of thinking it, it was still odd you know? so 
um, and he was obviously uh, he was also in favor of the French Revolution. So he there there is um, yeah. So the, yeah, there there's in Burns there's a lot of contradictions. So so that's one of them too. He he had that plan. He never managed to go to to Jamaica. I think at some point he even had the the, the ticket bought or or something similar, but he never he never um, embarked. No and. And no, he well, he ne- never, never went to to Europe either, as as it is known. So he stayed, and <laughs> to write more, which he is good for us, right? Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, and interesting, yeah. But the the second part of of well, the, the second part of his life, well, you know, he he dies very young. He dies at thirty seven mm-hmm. years old, which is, I mean, which very makes his young. work more more remarkable. Um, so the, the second part of, of, of his life or, and of his work was more dedicated to the recollection of songs and the rewriting of, of songs. Um, as, as, as Professor Jerrica Ruders and many others say, you know, Burns was a transformer of culture. So he was, he was not only able in, with his poetry to, to, for example, mix in Augustan English, like, that of Alexander Pope's with his own Scots dialect and, and make something completely new. Um, and it's also good to highlight that Burns did not write in Scots because he couldn't write in English. It's quite the opposite. Burns chooses to write Scots and in English because he can, because he, he's very able um, with language, you know, and there's also this myth of which he created himself. Burns, you know, as the heaven-taught plowman, because you know this guy was just inspired by nature. But Burns was a very well-educated man, and well, you know, in, in the, by 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 Stein's standards, um, a very well-read, and, and 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 his his dad, his father was very very keen on. On, on his education and also that of his brother uh, Gilbert. Um, but anyway, I've lost. I was I was talking about something else, and then I, I came into this. Uh, was you asked me something? Oh, I'm, I don't know. I said that it was a good thing that he stayed to. Then, so, sorry. so <laughs> the worry. second part of his, the second part of his uh, of his life, yeah, he d- dedicated more to the recollection of songs and and to the rewriting of of songs. So he create so you know by collecting songs and and rewriting the lyrics, he was creating traditional Scottish music. So it was new stuff, but he was creating it or giving it as this is traditional. Um, so it's it's quite remarkable what he did in that sense. Um, and and his 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 output to the uh, the the the, the um, Scots music museum the museum of, of Scots music which were collections of of of, of lyrics and, and and music airs as well um, was very very meaningful and perhaps the, the the most significant poem of his of the second part of of, of his production would be a uh, Tamo Shander, with which is also um, one of the, the yeah one of the most famous narrative poems he he wrote and, and the best of his of that second second part. Um, but yeah, it was yeah it was good that he stayed in in many senses. Yeah, <laughs> and we don't know what would have happened if 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 he had left. Yeah. <laughs> 
No, but uh, speaking about Scots, uh, hasn't it been like super challenging for you as a translator trying to translate, uh, you know, the Scots words and try to keep the essence of of the poems? Because even when I've read things translated to English, it doesn't feel quite the same. So how, how what is your approach to this, to trying to keep the essence of the of the poem when translating it? Yeah, it's, well, yeah, it's, that's a great question. It is very challenging indeed, yeah. The, it's perhaps, yeah, the, the most challenging part of translating from one language into the other is to obviously, in terms of poetry, it's um, to recreate in emotions with sound, mm -hmm. but in a different language. So, so what, what do you do? Do you I mean, choose it's similar It's not just sound? about replacing some words yeah, with yeah. others, it's yeah. keeping exactly. the... Exactly, do you choose similar sounds? So in my, in my, in a, when you, in the way I see it, when you translate a, a poem as a poet, as musical, as, as Burns, in, 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 in which the, the, the essence of the poem obviously is lies in, in what is in what is said, but in the, in the in, but also you know as as strongly in also in the rhythm and in the beats and in the stresses and the silences, in, it is very important to try to recreate that in order to convey something similar to what Burns did in in his native tongue. Uh, so that is perhaps one of the things that puts me off when I'm when I'm reading, or when I, for example, when I used to read other translations, not only of Burns but other other poets, and it's when, when if if the translator just does a, a literal transliteration, let's say, or transposition of words into from one language into the other, um, then yeah, it is. It's still useful in, 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 for example, in translation terms or in academic terms or in, 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 in semantic terms, but it's not useful in poetic terms. So in order to recreate this, what I'm, I'm trying to do is, obviously I, I translate a lot by, by ear, um, I'm trying to recreate the, the musical phrases that that the author is is is, is doing, um, and by that I'm trying to accommodate, for example, the the, the meter that he uses um, into something that could be equivalent in Spanish. Now the challenges that we have here is that Scots and English are languages that have have. A, a much larger number of uh, monosyllabic words and that you are able to say a lot of things with very few syllables um, and, and, that, and that is not the case with Spanish. We, our, our language is much wordier and you tend and, some, and you need uh, a little bit more of room so you need to make a bit of room for your, for your words to, for your lines to fit. Um, so that's 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 perhaps the main the main challenge. Try to keep language musical, try to convey the meaning, um, but at the same time trying to to keep an emotional beat alive so that that the reader keeps engaged. Um, yeah, and so so far, uh, uh, well, I, I don't want to say yeah, I'm doing a great job. No, I don't want to say that. But so so far. <laughs> I am at least happy with with half of of what I am achieving because 
even though in some parts it may, it may sound strange, you know, some the phrasing may sound strange in, in, a, in, a, in a stanza or in a line. Mm-hmm. I think that's also part or part of it. It's it's good that it that it's good that you can tell that it's still a translation. It's good that you can tell that it's still it comes from from a, from a different source. Um, Particularly in this in this type of of of, of poet, I, I believe if it were, for example, if we were talking about a, a contemporary poet and trans, translating some contemporary work into contemporary sound, perhaps you would like to blur that line, you know, into, from translation to original work. You would you would want it to sound as a as a as a proper poem in, in your own language, but with with a, 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 a a work like like Burns like Burns's, which is uh, from 1786, uh, yeah, it's good that it sounds a bit weird. It it, it does sound well, not weird, it, different. It does sound different in 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 the in, in the native language as well. So so yeah, in in that sense, for example, reading romantic. Spanish poets, it is helpful as well because you can see what type of metric was used, what type of you know, um, yeah, what what yeah, what what stanzas were used, how how or even how how the the the, the British or English metrics influenced in uh, our own romantic writers. So um, yeah, there there are there's lo- there are loads of sources where where I can um, get I- ideas from, in, and and then yeah, it's just hard work sitting down and doing it and doing I it like can imagine it would be very hard but, but what is the what is the plan how how much of his work are you planning on translating and how are you making the selection because you you said that previous translations were the selection maybe wasn't the most meaningful one so how are you making this selection there's two two main um, books of, of poems by Burns and one of them is the, the 1786 called the Kilmarnock edition which was published in Kilmarnock and that's why it's, it's called it's known as that and then we have the 1787 Edinburgh edition which was published in Edinburgh in 1787 so the Kilmarnock edition was uh, the, the first one Burns prepared with his um, obviously with with getting feedback from his little friends etc and then in the second selection he included um, some extra he added some some extra uh, additional points um, some of them had already been written previously and some of them were were written then um, so so my idea, my plan is to translate two works, which is basically translating the Kilmarnock edition and translating the additional poems that were um, published with the Edinburgh edition. Um, and also these have, um, some of them have slight variations, you know, lines that, that were part of the poem at some point and then they were changed. So these kind of uh, little variances. Um, I also plan to have them translated so that the readers can have access to the yeah to yeah the the, the road the the road of the of the poems as well in a in a sense. Yeah. So yeah. So my, my plan is to to write the as I said well the you know the Kilmarnock edition and then the, to translate the Kilmarnock edition and to and the additional poems that were published with the Edinburgh edition. And, and yeah, and, and also you know the slight variations that you can that you can find in in, in yeah the you know different 
versions of, of the poems. So I, I, I plan to, to have to, well, to translate that and to, so to, to make that available to Spanish speaking readers, yes. That would be amazing. And I, I know it's a, like a, a very intense endeavor, but when can we expect to, to, to have this available for, you know, like us, normal humans here in Latin America, when can we read the translations that you're making? Well, so, some some of the well, the, some of the work is going to be uh, perhaps published in 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 a few in some you know literary magazines. For example, you can already find a couple of uh, versions, or, or well, yeah, two versions in Spanish of they are, they have already changed these versions, but you can still find these previous versions of to a mouse and to a haggis in, uh, in the Buenos Aires Poetry website. And then uh, mm -hmm. next month, uh, uh, my version of the Two Dogs is going to appear in Estación Poesía, uh, uh, which is the, the, the poetry magazine, um, a poetry magazine that belongs to the, to the, to the cultural center of, of the University of Seville. So that's going to be out in the, the next number, which I think, yeah, should be January, February, um, the, the winter, the winter number. And then, well, and then my, my, my project will be finished by the end of, two, well, by mid 2022. So if all goes well and, and, and I managed to, to to get somebody to to publish it and show it to the world, uh, I would think that by the end of 2022 or 2023, we we might have this uh, first That's full rendering of, of Burns's official canon. Yes, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully, because I, I don't know, it will be. Well, I think it it would be a very good thing for for everyone to have that material available because Burns's work is so fascinating and nice that it's a shame that, that so many people can't access to it. So thank you. I think what you're doing is very, very valuable for culture in general. So well thank done. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Tanya. Um, yeah, I, I, well, I, I, I think so too. It's, it's something that first, it's something that I'm, I'm very passionate about. And, and yeah, I think it, it can have a, a very, um, well, it can have a, a meaningful impact, at least in the, in the poetry world or in romantic studies. Um, uh, but well, at, at least, you know, the, the, it would be good to have that material available. Um, it's, it's, it's just a way in, you know, it's like a door for, for readers to go and then explore further um, into Burns's work and life. Um, because yes, yeah, as, as you well say, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's such a, it's such a rich uh, experience uh, to to explore his 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 work, and so I would recommend it to to everybody. Yeah, even even if 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 you know if you're at least a little bit used to reading some English, you'll be able to to catch some of the Scots, and you'll be able to even enjoy the musicality. So yeah, I would encourage anybody or everybody to to give it a go. It's a uh, yeah, it's it's a nice experience. <laughs> It is. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. This was 
a lovely experience. Is there anything else you would like to say to our listeners before, before we go? Hey, no, well, I would, I would just love to thank you and thank your listeners as well for, for staying with us for all this time and, and for that attention. Um, I've, I've really enjoyed talking to you and sharing my, my experience and my love for Burns and his work. And yeah, hopefully um, you'll be able to see this material out soon. And I would love you to read it and to let me know what you think. Yes. Of course. Yeah, for sure. When you have something available to show, we'll be happy to, to share it with our with our audience and with all the, the Scottish community in Mexico. Uh, thank you yes. so much for this and we're looking forward to Burns Night. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Happy Burns Night to everybody as well. Thank you, thank you. Bye bye, Carlos. Thank you, Dania. Muchas gracias. Bye bye. Okay, that was all for today. It was a pleasure as always. If you like this episode, you know what to do. Please share it with your friends and leave us a comment. Oh, and don't forget to check all the San Andreas Society of Mexico's social media profiles for more information on our Robert Burns Supper, virtual supper, that will take place online this year. Please stay tuned, check your inbox for the newsletter. If you're not subscribed, please go to our website and do so to get the latest news on all our events. Okay, so hope to see you there. Until next time, bye bye.